0: Welcome to Minnesota Matters, I'm Tasha Radel, and I'm joined by MN's Bill Werner, Brent Holm, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's happening in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, work continues on management plans within the state's cannabis industry. It's opening weekend of the firearms deer season, and it's been a family affair for the Gopher football team. But first, Two stories one year ahead of the 2024 presidential election put Minnesota in the national spotlight this week and MN's Bill Werner is here with a report beginning with.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: President Joe
2: Biden's visit to the North Star State. Tasha, the president went to Dutch Creek Farms, a family-run hog operation in Northfield, to kick off his administration's nationwide tour promoting what the president calls $5 billion in new investments in rural America. But also in the picture during his visit, the rapidly gearing up campaign for president. Republicans say one reason Biden came to Minnesota was to defuse an intra-party challenge by Democratic Congressman Dean Phillips for the presidential nomination. State GOP Chair David Hahn quipped he never thought he'd be writing a press release in agreement with the 3rd District Democrat, Dean Phillips, but he says they both believe Biden won't win in November of 2024. Phillips said when he kicked off his campaign in New Hampshire...
3: I, in the Democratic candidate, who can win who can win the 2024 election.
2: Phillips said he was, quote, grateful that the president chose to make a last-minute trip to Minnesota. Last-minute, presumably meaning in response to Phillips' challenge. This
4: trip has been in the works for months. of our trips are, but uh, we are eager to visit uh, a third-generation family farm in Minnesota.
2: Biden's Deputy Press Secretary, Emily Simons, aboard Air Force One en route to Minnesota, said Phillips, quote, has voted with the president 100% of the time and we are grateful for his support. But the president did not mention his challenger during his speech in Northfield.
1: President Joe Biden.
2: Yeah! <laughs> Farmer Brad Clover making the introduction at his family's farm. President's visit was to talk about rural programs, but he began with the Middle East.
1: Thanks to concerted American leadership, we're in a situation where safe passage for wounded Palestinians and foreign nationals to exit Gaza has started. The American citizens are able to exit today as part of the first group of probably over a thousand. We'll see more of this process going on in the coming days. Yeah.
2: The group Jewish Voice for Peace at about that same time outside the president's fundraising campaign office in Minneapolis demanding an immediate ceasefire in the Middle East. Thousands of children have been killed already in the past few weeks and many, many more in the 75 years of occupation that led up to this moment. Other pro-Palestine groups unwelcomed the president with rallies and protests outside federal buildings. Back in Northfield, the president talking agriculture in rural America. He evoked a phrase reminiscent of Paul Wellstone.
1: When rural America does well, when Indian country does well, we all do well. When I took office, I decided to invest a billion dollars through the American Rescue Plan in small and medium-sized independent meat processing to expand their capacity. Over $50 million to bring high-speed internet to tribal communities here in Minnesota alone.
2: But the loudest applause and cheers...
1: ...created more jobs in two years than any president has done in four-year terms. And nearly 200,000 of those new jobs are right here in Minnesota. 200,000.
2: First District Republican Congressman Brad Finstad, a southern Minnesota farmer, criticized the president over inflation and environmental programs, accusing the Biden administration of a, quote, war on production agriculture. President Biden put Minnesota in the national spotlight this week and so did his likely opponent in 2024, former President Donald Trump. A group of prominent Minnesotans, including former Secretary of State Joan Grow and former State Supreme Court Justice Paul H. Anderson, wants Trump's name kept off the ballot in the next presidential election in Minnesota. The petitioners contend Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution disqualifies him from holding office because they say Trump engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the government during the January 6th riots at the U.S. Capitol. And they stated their case this week in oral arguments before the Minnesota Supreme Court. Chief Justice Natalie Hudson asked early on.
0: Let's say we agree with you that we do have the authority to keep Mr. Trump's name off the ballot. Should we is the question that that concerns me the most. You run square into the problem where you have the potentiality of 50 different states uh, deciding this question differently, whether states have the right to determine, uh, who's eligible for a national office. And, and that concerns me that you have this possibility for, for just chaos.
2: Petitioner's attorney, Ronald Fine, responded, Minnesota law requires the high court make a decision.
5: It says shall, uh, not may, uh, and had the legislature intended to provide a discretionary jurisdiction, uh, the, the legislature certainly could have.
2: But Trump attorney, Nicholas Nelson, contends it is not for the courts to decide whether the former president is on the ballot. When parties ask the courts to decide who can or can't be president, The courts overwhelmingly say that's not a a decision that should be made in the judiciary. That's a decision that should be made elsewhere. Hamlin University analyst David Schultz says the question that Chief Justice Hudson posed was the most important query in this week's oral arguments. Let's listen again to part of what she said.
0: Let's say we agree with you that we do have the authority to keep Mr. Trump's name off the ballot. Should we is the question that, that concerns me the most.
2: Schultz says the justices could be weighing whether this is a matter best left to voters or the political process. And that gave me a sense that what the court's going to do is find some reason to say that this is a matter that should not be resolved by the Minnesota Supreme Court and dismiss the case. Associate Justices Ann McCaig and Paul Thiessen zeroed in on another important legal question, whether it is appropriate for the high court to rule now on whether Trump's name is on the ballot. 14th Amendment to the Constitution states that a sworn official who engages in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States cannot hold office, but it's silent on whether they can run for office. And Justice McKaig asked...
4: Is there a difference between holding office and, and putting his name on the ballot? And does that impact or should it impact our analysis here?
2: Petitioner's attorney Ronald Fine responded the U.S. Constitution prohibits holding office... But Minnesota law states... You can't run for an office, you can't appear on a ballot for which you are ineligible. But Trump attorney Nicholas Nelson argued the former president is not ineligible under the U.S. Constitution because what happened January 6th... was. Crimes, some of them serious, was violence. some of it serious, uh, but that it did not reach the, the scale or scope of what would be regarded as an insurrection. Hamlin University's David Schultz indicates the probable reason the high court is examining this particular issue. You could have a scenario where even if Trump appears on the ballot, he could lose. He could still lose the election. And, and so the courts don't want to decide things if they
1: don't have to. And they say it's just not ripe for review at this point.
2: Hamlin University's David Schultz. Tasha?
0: Thanks, Bill. Another busy week in politics. Time for a quick break. Stay tuned. You wanted to see me?
2: Yes,
5: please. Have a seat. So here's the thing. When this company brought you on, we took a chance on you. You didn't have that four-year college degree we typically look for. Right. But we gave you a shot anyway. And since then, you've worked incredibly hard and given it your all. Thanks. You've been an important asset to the team, but I don't think you can be an intern here anymore.
2: (sighs) We want to hire you.
0: You're, you're serious?
2: Absolutely. Find your next great employee. Introduce yourself to the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs.
0: I won't let you down.
2: I know. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. The Minnesota Office of Cannabis Management is working to develop the rules and regulations for the state's new industry. The retail cannabis dispensaries are expected to open in 2025, but the agency's interim director tells MN's Brent Palm there's still a lot of work to do in the next year or so.
3: Well, Charlene Briner, Office of Cannabis Management, interim director, thanks for joining us today.
4: Happy to be with you, Brent.
3: I know it's been a a busy fall for you folks over there as we try to get uh, this new industry off the ground. The latest release uh, we received from your office sounds like You're kind of beginning to draft some new rules for the industry, but step one is um, you're asking stakeholders to to fill out a survey on your website to get, I guess, more information from maybe some of the experts?
4: That's exactly right, Brent. So the rulemaking process itself is a somewhat cumbersome and tedious process that not a lot of people have experience with. In order for us to draft rules that are both easy to understand for potential business applicants and also that we're able to administer as the regulatory entity, we wanna get a lot of input from people with knowledge of industry and knowledge of doing this work either in Minnesota with the hemp industry or in other states. And so our goal with the survey is to start big with input, you know, get a, a broad swath of input and then really narrow down um, how that input and how that specific information will help us actually write those rules.
3: Okay, because uh, apparently there's going to be a lot of facets to the industry in Minnesota. You've got the cultivation, the growing, and then the processing, and then the manufacturing, the business arm. And so uh, there are a lot of moving pieces that you folks are going to have to uh, get together here.
4: That's right. What a lot of people have focused on is when our dispensary is going to be open. But what we miss when we just focus on those retail businesses is actually establishing an adequate supply to meet the ex- expected demand for cannabis in Minnesota. And so we're really starting the survey by asking for folks with experience or perspective on growing or cultivation, on processing and manufacturing. Because we know we have to ramp up and actually establish the supply to meet the demand, so that those retailers have product to sell when we are actually at the point of opening those retail establishments.
3: Yeah, and there was just word recently of uh, at least the first big project I've heard of proposed up on the Iron Range, a former lumber mill that could, could create 400 jobs. Hey, one thing that also you know seemed a little bit inside baseball, but. You folks are working on computer programs, operational That's regulatory right. systems. We need this, these kind of supports, right?
4: And we've said this before, and I've, I've talked to you about it before, Brent. We're building an agency from the ground up, and that means all the nuts and bolts. So we have to build our licensing systems. That's a complicated bit of technology and expertise that we need to actually build a system that people can easily access and that we can use to really streamline that application process and then continue to monitor to assure product quality and safety. We're writing job descriptions for all of the jobs that are gonna fill out this agency. So there are a number of things that, while it's invisible work, uh, is happening every day. We're really fortunate to be working with a team, right now it's up to about not quite two dozen people from across state government who are part of our implementation team. And they're bringing their expertise and their best thinking to bear on all sorts of topics, from product safety to inspections to how do we write the rules to how do we build the systems. So there's a lot of work happening behind the scenes uh, to make sure that we can hit our mark and have a thriving cannabis industry launch in early 2025.
3: I believe the last time we spoke, uh, you folks were looking to hire about 150 employees, and you said we're at a couple dozen now?
4: Uh, we're at about a couple of dozen. Uh, some of these are permanent. Some of these are they're part of implementation team so for lack of a better term we're borrowing them from other state agencies so while we are making permanent hires we're also drawing on expertise from some of our agencies our sister agencies across the enterprise
3: and i'm guessing as things move forward then we're going to need many more employees and workers
4: absolutely so we'll be making roughly about 130 new hires Plus, we'll be absorbing the team over at the medical cannabis office at the Department of Health because eventually they will come over in early 2025 as part of the entire OCM umbrella. So we'll have all cannabis regulation from hemp to adult use to medical cannabis under one
3: umbrella. Hey, I mentioned I had to ask because uh, you're carrying the interim director title at the moment. How is the process going, finding a a permanent or a new director of the Minnesota Office of Cannabis Management?
4: Well, I would say that I am in this role for at least a little longer. The governor is determining his next steps. Uh, He is the appointing authority. And so in terms of what the next steps and what that search will look like, we're still waiting for some news. So no news, no new news there.
3: Hey, I know we're just kind of getting some of the systems in place and working on some other things, but... Are you folks getting a lot of contact from potential businesses, entrepreneurs?
4: There's an extraordinarily high level of interest in uh, the potential for cannabis industry in Minnesota. We're getting a lot of questions. Unfortunately, some of those we can't answer other than to talk about process and timeline because we can't give concrete information about what an application will look like until we finish that rulemaking process.
3: Well, Charlene, uh, we greatly appreciate you giving us an update on what's happening with the Office of Cannabis Management. We will definitely check in with you, hopefully maybe in a couple of months to to see what's new.
4: I'd love to to talk to you again. We're happy to continue giving updates. I'd also encourage people to check out cannabis.state.mn.us or just Google Minnesota Office of Cannabis Management. We continue to update the information on the website and you can also sign up for updates. So anytime we have new news, you'll be the first one to get it.
3: All right, well, thanks for joining us, Charlene.
4: Thanks for having me today, Brent.
0: m Brent Palm and Charlene Briner with the State Office of Cannabis Management. More Minnesota Matters after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radal. A sea of orange and pink is blanketing the state this weekend. It's opening of the firearms deer season. Joining me today is DNR Commissioner Sarah Stroman.
4: I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the season and uh, maybe what you're expecting. Uh, what can you tell us for this big opener?
6: Well, as you noted, it's um, coming up on a big day for Minnesota's deer hunters with the opening of the firearms deer season uh, on Saturday morning. And... Uh, We are uh, really excited to celebrate the opening of the season um, officially with the Governor's Deer Hunting Opener in Lanesboro uh, this year at the Eagle Bluff Environmental Learning Center. This is the 21st year of the Governor's Deer Hunting Opener. So, um, you know, it's the Minnesota governors have a long um, tradition of of celebrating this day. And, uh, you know, obviously many Minnesotans have a much longer tradition of celebrating. Uh, this day. And I, I know there are some Minnesotans who may be celebrating it for the first time. And I think, you know, the opportunity is for um, all of those experiences uh, to to come together and, and to share the experience together. And I also understand that this is pretty big um, business for the state's economy. Can you tell us a
4: little bit about that?
6: Yeah, it is. You know, um Outdoor recreation broadly is um about a 10 billion dollar industry in Minnesota. Um you know hunters spend a lot of of money each season when you think about not just the licenses which are really important to supporting conservation but um all of the you know benefits to um the state in terms of the the gear the the firearms the ammunition um supporting local businesses and staying in hotels and eating in restaurants and, and buying gas. And, um I, you know, I, one of my favorite um, things to see this time of year is, you know, walk into any um, small community in Minnesota and you will see folks, right, dressed up in their blaze orange, um, coming in to, to buy gas or groceries or coming into a restaurant to get a bite to eat. And so, you really do get a sense of, um, the impact of, of that kind of activity going on all across the state, but what that means for an individual community um, with that that boost in activity. And then lastly, safety
4: always is a uh, uh, front of mind. Uh, any, I guess, any advice as people head out this
6: weekend? One of the most common um, injuries during deer season is actually um, tree stand injuries. And so if you are a hunter who um, hunts in an elevated tree stand, you know, practice climbing in and out, make sure you're um, stand is is secure, and um, and you know just make your plan for having not only a, a fun hunt and hopefully a successful hunt but a safe hunt as well. All right. Uh, anything else you wanted to add today that I didn't hit on? One more thing about the the Lanesboro event this year. Um, We're really excited to to have not only the the local community of Lanesboro but the Eagle Bluff. Environmental Learning Center, so we have um, an environmental education aspect with this year. We have some new partners with the uh, Blufflands Whitetail Association, the Con- Minnesota Conservation Federation, and Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And, and there's going to be, I think, some really fun um, aspects that in addition to the, the tradition of hunting, um, a focus on um, venison preparation and some some venison sampling. Um, as well as some other educational things. So I think it'll just be a really fun uh, way to, to kick off the season and um, think about not only the, those recreational aspects and the economic aspects, but also um, some of the food benefits of deer hunting.
0: Thanks again to my guest, Sarah Stroman, Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Time for a quick break. Stay tuned.
2: We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say.
0: A father
3: is always present. I mean, what father, what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love, love your son. You need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere, and you need to make some breakfast. Yep.
7: I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else.
2: Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. It's been a family affair for the Gopher football team in recent weeks as brothers Tyler and Jordan Newbin have played big roles in a two-game Minnesota winning streak. Senior Tyler Newbin was Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week after the Gophers beat Iowa two weeks ago. And sophomore running back Jordan Newbin was named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week after last week's win over Michigan State. Eminent sports director Mike Grimm caught up with the pair this week.
7: How much fun was that last week? It was super fun. It was a great opportunity to be out there with my team. It was. It was a heck of a time. How much um I mean you knew you were gonna
5: get your chance, right? Because yeah. of different things and injuries and you've gotten a few chances over the course of time, but I'm talking like in a you know, this is a you know, first half kind of situation. You knew you'd get a
7: chance. Did you think you'd I mean, I don't think anyone figured you'd get forty carries in two oh four, right? Yeah, no, I didn't I wasn't aware I was gonna get that many carries, but um as coach always says, just be ready for your opportunity when you get it and um I think that's just what, what happened
5: thing that i liked and maybe i'm wrong you can correct me if so is it um it was apparent to me that as the game went on you just got more comfortable and then pretty soon you were i mean i thought it was mo Ibrahim
7: out there for a minute. <laughs> i
5: mean really the way you were setting up blocks the way you were running behind that it was it was a typical mo looking game um yeah. did, were you getting more comfy as the game moved on
7: uh yeah our coach always just talks about being a plus game runner um getting four to five yards pop, and then um, as the game um, went on and then defense started to wear down, I just felt myself getting more comfortable, and then you just, one's going to pop eventually.
5: How sore are you on Sunday?
7: Uh, a little sore, a little sore, imagine. but yeah. But um, definitely got back throughout the week um, and been in recovery heavy. So
5: you're feeling good now. Yeah, feeling we're, great we're, for those listening. Maybe not on today. This is Thursday. We're we're recording. Of course, the game coming up on on Saturday. Um, one of my favorite, maybe my favorite moment, might even be of the season because there's been a lot of cool moments. And Tyler, you've been involved in a lot of those. Mm-hmm. The interception to set up the win. Um, you know against Nebraska you had uh, you know watching you and hearing you with Garzy after that Iowa game and the emotion and what that meant to you and your teammates those are all good but I was glad I happened to catch uh, live on the call um, after uh, Jordan scored the first that. touchdown. I saw it, <laughs> And you just sprinted down the sideline. And yeah. you, you had been obviously paying attention. Mm. Um, what was that moment like for
7: you? Man, amazing, bro. I, I wanted to be the first one down to him. Obviously, I wasn't. Uh, but I did everything I could to, to go down there and celebrate with him. Man, I, I knew that was, that was a huge moment for him, first touchdown. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to be a part of it with him.
5: When you um, – I mentioned the the moments here. I remember you intercepted a ball at Purdue a couple of years ago to seal a win. You've had some, mm-hmm. some big plays. Where does that moment – that you weren't even involved in on the sideline rank at your time at Minnesota on, on top, bro, number one. On top, bro. I thought you might Honestly. answer it that way because um, are you, is it just you two? You two? Yeah, guy, yeah. yeah, yeah just I, just I'm the know. same. I have a brother, and you know, I, I, I. He has been successful in the business world, and just get proud of him. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like, man, um, you know, I don't care what I'm doing, but that was right. cool. So I thought you might answer that way, yeah. but you've done enough that maybe not because you have so many good <laughs> no, plays. I, but I told
7: my mom I was like, I could have had three picks, two for touchdowns that game. I wouldn't care. JoJo scored. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm exactly like you. I have
5: my, a brother, and I were obviously. Way older than you, but he's two years younger than me. Are you guys two years apart, or yep. three, yeah, two two years, years. same thing, same yeah. thing. So, you, yeah, so I know how you're feeling mm-hmm. as, as the, the proud. Actually, I'll be honest with you: as I'm watching it, um, I look over at Daryl, and um, it was it was almost. I mean, it, as weird as this sounds, because we have nothing to do with it, we we got a little emotional too just yeah. to see it because we we love you guys, right? <laughs> you're some of our favorites. And um, Jordan, what's it mean to you to hear your brother say that of all the things he's done? You created the best moment for him so
7: far as a gopher. Uh, I mean, it feels great. I mean, we always just pray for this opportunity, always dreamed of having this opportunity to be able to play with each other on the highest level. So, I mean, it's just sometimes it just feels like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it,
5: it, uh, it looked like a dream there. Then you got your second touchdown, and uh, we thought for a moment that probably put the game away, and then they bring in a backup. And it's always a backup, mm-hmm. right, because uh, it's, it's a different deal. And so he moves down the field, and then you guys tighten up and pressure him, and Jaw gets the big – Uh, you know, the big uh, sack fumble, which basically clinches it and uh, uh, field goal then from from our guy, the Serbian hammer to to basically seal it away. Um, But uh, the second touchdown too, you worked for that, it was a couple yards out, but that drive, I think you got every carry, right? I think maybe eighth and scrambled ones Mm -hmm. on one play, but you got every carry. They were just like, all right, you're the guy. How did that feel to have, hey, we're just going to put the game on, on this kid's
7: shoulders. I mean, just I didn't just think the O-line blocked a great game, and the receivers as well on the perimeter gave me holes to run through, allowed me to um, stretch and puncture on the outside zone. So I think that's what allowed me to do that.
5: All right, take us all the way back. Uh, obviously, Tyler was already here at Minnesota, so you're playing high school football. COVID kind of screws up the season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, take us through the recruiting process, um, what some of your options were, how you ended up here, and then I'm going to ask you also about the position switch once you got here. But take <laughs> us through the high school situation.
7: Uh yeah, I mean I had a um couple of Division One FCS offers and then a couple of Division Two offers and then um maybe around December January of my senior year Minnesota rolled around offered me a PWO and then I just knew that was an offer that I couldn't pass up just being able to come here play with my brother and then just showcase my talents at the highest level I couldn't pass up that offer
5: and um you you discussed that and Jordan was like or uh, Tyler was like all right that works yeah. you were excited about oh, yeah, it did you definitely. pressure him at all a little bit a little bit oh, yeah. put yeah. Put, a, put a little bit of uh, a lean on him a yeah, little most yeah he definitely. Um, definitely and then so then you get here and cuz you didn't play running back in high school right no i played corner and um wide receiver it's amazing yeah. right and here we are now big 10 offensive player of the week as a running back it's Great. awesome the week after uh, your your older brother won for the second time this year defensive player of the week in the conference for his game down in iowa um so you get to campus um you you were at safety
7: right right yeah. away Yep.
5: and then take me through how then it progressed that you end up at running back.
7: Uh, yeah. In 2021, we had a couple guys go down, as you uh, know, Mo, a couple. couple, yeah, <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. Uh, crazy. Mo, Bryce Williams, Trey Potts, they all um went down to injury, and then uh, we just needed some depth into the room, so they moved me over for the time being, and then I guess it just kind of stuck.
0: Gopher players Tyler and Jordan Newbin with eminent sports director Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Minnesota Matters. Be sure to join us again next week on this eminent affiliate station, same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Tasha Radel.